Please be seated. Good morning. Oh, there I am. Yeah. I feel like I should do that walk with the... I could do that because I know they're not recording this morning, so... <laughs> oh, yes, welcome. Uh, what a great morning it has been as we've had just so much to celebrate uh, here this morning. You know, we've seen, we've heard those testimonies of changed lives. We've got to see a baptism, that wonderful symbol of new life in Christ. And you know, all of that celebrating is, just, I think it's fitting since this is also this morning Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday was a day when the followers of Jesus celebrated. Uh, they celebrated Jesus coming to Jerusalem. And it's an event that was very significant to the disciples. Uh, so significant, it was included in all four of the Gospels. You know, when Matthew, Mark, Luke, John all sat down and said, what, should we, what do we need to talk about Jesus and the different things of his life? All four of them said, Palm Sunday has to be in there. Palm Sunday, just it made such an impact, not just on the followers of Jesus, but also on the crowds in Jerusalem. And there would have been crowds in Jerusalem because Palm Sunday took place uh, around the time of the Passover feast. And it's estimated that in Jerusalem at the time of the Passover feast, the number of people sort of traveling to Jerusalem for the feast, it would have increased the number of people in the city into the hundreds of thousands. I mean, the streets would have been sort of wall to wall with people. I think the sort of the best sort of image we can kind of relate to would be if you go to a shopping mall, it's sort of at the height of Christmas season. And it's just every, people everywhere. Uh, just a mass of humanity. But in Jerusalem, it was everywhere. The entire city was just, it was full like that. And I'm not going to preach an entire sermon this morning because there may be things in the oven that are burning and some of the, some of the legs are getting a little wiggly and the kids might want to get out of here too. Um, so I'm just going to just sort of spend a few moments uh, just kind of looking briefly at the events of Palm Sunday and just how they shaped Jesus' own journey to the cross. So let me read to you from Luke's version of this day. Luke 19, beginning of verse 28. It says, And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany and the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt, tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away, uh, those, who were, those who were sent away found it just as it had been told them. And as they are untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered them, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. 
And when he drew near to the city and uh, drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, "Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. And you know, hearing those words, I think you need to know two things about what's going on. First, this was a fulfillment of prophecy. The people, you know, all knew back, that in, back in the book of Zechariah, God gave his people a promise that the Messiah would come riding on a donkey. Zechariah 9, verse 9, says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And in fulfilling those words, Jesus was very much declaring to the people in the city that day that he was the Messiah. That he was the one that God had promised so long ago that he was their savior and their redeemer and he was the true and eternal king. And the crowds embraced him for it. In fact, Matthew's gospel, we read in chapter 12, verse 10, says that when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. That word stirred up there is, is, is the, the, the word the Greeks used to describe earthquakes. The city was shaken by Jesus' entrance that day. And John's gospel adds in John 12 and 19, the Pharisees said to one another, you see that we are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. On Palm Sunday, it seemed like the whole city of Jerusalem, the whole nation of the Jewish people was ready to follow Jesus as their king. So it's no wonder that the Pharisees Try to rebuke Jesus for accepting all of this praise. But Jesus' response in Luke 19, verse 40, he answered them, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Jesus is letting them know and he's letting us know that he was worthy of every hosanna, every palm leaf, every bowed head, every raised hand, every person who sang or danced or cheered or shouted was only giving Jesus the glory that was due him. The celebration and the worship of the people on that very first Psalm, Palm Sunday was nothing less than Jesus deserved. And I'm sure that made the Pharisees just mad enough to spit nails, but what could they do? At that moment, with thousands upon thousands of pilgrims assembled in Jerusalem for the Passover feast, all shouting Jesus' praises, it must have looked to all the people present that day that the one true king had finally arrived in force to claim his rightful throne. And that should have made Palm Sunday a great day. It should have been a moment of triumph. Should have been the best day of Jesus' life and ministry. And maybe we might think it was if we stopped reading there, but sadly the story continues. In Luke 19, beginning in verse 41, it says, And when he drew near and he saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. And you know, when I read those verses, I'm always, 
amazed at the contrast that Luke's gospel reveals to us here. That, that as the crowds were, were shouting and cheering and rejoicing, Jesus wept. And I can't help but think, what did the disciples think when, when they saw that? I mean, maybe they were, they were, you know, maybe they were so busy, caught up in all the celebrating that they missed it. Or maybe they thought Jesus was, was crying tears of joy. But they weren't tears of joy. Because there was a sorrow upon Jesus' heart as he rode that day. A sorrow that was lost in the noise of the crowd. Because in the frenzy and the excitement of this Palm Sunday party, the people who were doing the celebrating were actually completely misunderstanding the purpose of God. They missed the point of Jesus coming in the first place. There was a spiritual blindness among the people. Because the people wanted to offer Jesus a crown. But Jesus knew that what awaited him was the cross. And because of that, the joy of Palm Sunday is, is short-lived. And in less than a week, those same people who shouted, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, will instead be shouting, crucify him. And Jesus knew that. Now Jesus knew what awaited him. He knew the cost. He knew how this was going to end even before it began. Jesus knew that the journey that began on Palm Sunday, despite all of the noise of the people and the cheers of men, could only end at Calvary. And even though it would break his heart, Jesus did it anyways. Because Jesus wasn't there to appease the masses. Jesus wasn't riding into Jerusalem this day to cater to the applause of the crowds. He was there to do the will of the Father. And that's why I think the truth about Palm Sunday is that the people made a lot of noise that day, but they missed what really mattered. They missed the purpose of God in the midst of it. They missed the reason that Jesus came because he came for the cross. And I'm just hoping this Palm Sunday that we don't make the same mistake. Because, you know, Good Friday and Easter are just around the corner. So to help our hearts just get ready for Good Friday and to celebrate Easter in the few days we have left before they come, I just want to give you a few applications and encouragements I want to give you just to help us not miss the point. And there's four things that we can do, I think, that will keep us from you know, getting caught up in the crowds, but will instead lead us to the cross. And in the spirit of honesty, I think I gave you these same applications a few years ago, so you may have them written down somewhere, but uh, these are not going to be new things you're hearing, but again, these are things that will make a difference if we put them into practice. First application I would give you is commit yourself to knowing the truth about Jesus. Because I think the place where it all really starts to fall apart for the crowds on Palm Sunday is that they fail to understand who Jesus is and why he came. They miss the truth about the Messiah. That Jesus was not there to sort of, you know, conquer earthly kingdoms, but he was there to die on the cross. And even today, without that truth, Easter is just an excuse to, you know, eat chocolate or hunt for Easter eggs. So I just want to encourage you, Sometime this week, find some time to read in your Bibles the account of the passion of Jesus in one of the four Gospels. You can go right from Palm Sunday or the Last Supper, right through the garden and the trials and the beatings, right through the agony of the cross until the resurrection. 
And, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of them, you know, they tell the tale in their own words from their own perspective. But spend some time in the word reading about the truth of Christ and the cross. Because the truth about who Jesus is and why he came matters. That's the first application. The second thing I want you to do this week is spend some time in worship. Um, Because one thing Palm Sunday does show us is that it is good and it is right and it is proper to worship Christ because he is worthy of our praise. Even the rocks would cry out in celebration of their maker if they were given the opportunity. So take some time this week just to spend in worship. And that may, for you, mean quiet reflection. It may mean listening to, you know, a song. I put CD. That tells you how old I am. It's one of those MP somethings. Uh, listen to some music. It may mean going through the words of your favorite hymn, you know, maybe one a day or something like that. But to prepare your heart for Easter, spend some time in worship. Third thing I would have you do, and I think the third thing that Palm Sunday asks of us is that we seek to live in obedience to God. Um, One of the things that always strikes me about Palm Sunday is just Jesus' obedience to God's will. Because Palm Sunday, I think, would have been a serious peer pressure moment for Jesus. But where most people, I think, would be tempted to turn away and follow the crowd, Jesus never strays from his Father's will. And that was the model Jesus offered us all throughout his entire life, his entire ministry. Even when it led him to the cross, he was obedient. And living in obedience to God's will is always the right decision. So again, in these days leading up to Easter, I would encourage you to just continue to seek to live in obedience and holiness in your life. And now finally, what I want you to do this week to prepare your heart for Easter is just, I want you to have compassion on people in your life who don't know Jesus. Because, you know, looking at this passage, I marvel at Jesus here. He's riding into the city. He's surrounded by what will turn out to be sort of a bunch of very fair-weather friends who will ultimately, within a few days, reject him and call for his death. And yet, in the midst of these misguided people, we're told Jesus is filled with compassion for them. And he still goes to the cross to die for their sins. And you know, what better way to prepare for Easter in our own lives than to let our hearts be broken by the people around us who need a Savior. People who have not yet experienced the the forgiveness, the deliverance, the peace, the freedom, the salvation that comes when you experience new life through faith in Christ Jesus. Don't write those people off. Keep reaching out to them. Keep inviting them. Keep praying for them. Maybe it's a neighbor or a colleague. Maybe it's a family member or a close friend. Maybe it's, you know, someone down the street from you. Maybe it's a casual acquaintance. But whoever it may be, always leave room in your life for compassion and for a passion to see people saved. And even as Mark said, I would encourage you to take a chance. You can invite them to church next week. You know, bring them to breakfast, sit with them through the service, let them hear the truth of Jesus' resurrection. Or you can invite them to the Christianity Explored. That's another opportunity to let people know about Jesus. Because we all do need the Lord. We need to know about his salvation. We need to understand his work upon the cross. And that's the truth that is going to bring us to communion once again this morning. I'm going to ask those who are serving with me to come forward at this time because 
You know, as we come to the Lord's table, it is again another reminder of the true reason that we have to celebrate as the people of God. We remember Christ and who he is. We remember Christ and what he has done. We remember the cross. We remember, you know, the broken body. We remember the precious blood that was spilled. Remember Jesus' life that was laid down in our place. As it says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And again, Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And hearing those words, it is an opportunity for us to respond with our own celebration of Jesus. Celebrating him with thankfulness, with praise, with worship in our lives. Because someone once said, in Christ, you are beyond condemnation. You're delivered from the power of evil. You're a member of God's kingdom. You're justified. You're made perfect. You've been adopted. You have access to God. You're part of the priesthood. You'll never be abandoned. You have an imperishable inheritance. You're a member of Christ's body, a branch in the vine, a stone in the temple, a bride for the groom, a dwelling place of God's Holy Spirit, and so much more. And you know, that's a gift that we, could, we don't deserve. And we could never earn. It is a gift of grace that God offers to us. So, you know, you don't have to be worthy to come to this table this morning and take part with us. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to feel like you have your life all together. All you need is a willingness to accept God's grace that is offered to us through Christ. Because this table is the grace of God on display. And I would just encourage you just to take hold of it in your life. Grasp that grace today. And with that, just a reminder, you don't have to be a member of our church to, to take this or you know, be a regular attender at anything. This table is open to anyone who has made a decision just simply to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of their life. And 